0: Hello everybody, and welcome along to episode number 10 of the Gunners of Malaysia podcast. On this episode, I'll be dissecting Arsenal's disappointing 2-0 defeat to Brentford, covering some of the latest Arsenal news, which includes Lucas Torreira at a theme park, Edu on a yacht, and the president of Rwanda, of all people. And to round it off, I'll give you my player ratings for Arsenal versus Brentford. So with that being said, sit back, relax, grab your Tay and I well, hope you can enjoy the episode. Alright, so a 2-0 defeat to Brentford. It's the first time in 21 years, I believe, that we've lost our opening game of the season. Now, I definitely was too young to remember that first game. Apparently it was a 1-0 defeat to Sunderland. Um, but hey, we're record breakers, aren't we? That's, our, that's the Arsenal way. So, before we dive into the game, let's, let's start with the starting lineup. I think the back five was exactly what I predicted in the prediction podcast with Leno, Chambers, White, Murray, and Tierney. In midfield, we did get Lakonga and Shaka, so that was a, an exciting partnership in midfield that we all wanted to see, I guess, um, well, with the available midfielders that we had. And because this was a 4-2-3-1 formation, we had Pepe smith and Martinelli is our attacking midfielders and up front Balogun led the line which was very exciting because this is his Premier League debut at the end of the day. Now let's, let's dive into the match. So the first 10 minutes of the match I think we started off decently well. We had lots of possession. We, we moved the ball around the Brentford defence pretty well. We created a couple chances here and there but nothing on target which was the disappointing part and I guess that's a similar story from last season you know not much has changed and if you take a look at the performances from preseason, even though I did say hey it's preseason. let's not focus on them you know Premier League seasons just started things might be different uh, well things clearly aren't different and it carried straight on from pre-season which is Extremely disappointing. One thing I do want to point out which was very evident, playing out from the back with this lineup was scary. I think that's that's the one word I would use to describe it. It seemed like we were playing out from the back for the first time under Emery again with better and goal. That's how bad I think or I thought it was at times on Friday night or early Saturday morning for us in Malaysia. And that's that's pretty bad because Arteta has had this team for about three years now and we still can't play out the back, out from the back. That's not good, you know? I mean, what, what exactly are we doing on the training ground? You know, if we can't play out from the back, I think it's about time to start going long. And yeah, we did go long a couple of times in that first half. But then it comes back down to the composition of the team. I don't think we are made for challenging in the air. You know, only Pepe, I think, is decent at receiving a goal kick. So more problems to be had over there. Another thing that I, well, I brought up in previous podcasts is our pressing. I think throughout the match, if you compare the two sides' pressing, ours looked like a championship kind of press. It was... Well, not even championship. I think the championship press is pretty good. And, and we, we didn't do... Our, our front line didn't press effectively at all. And if you compared ours to Brentford's, Brentford's had energy, worked together as a team, and they and improved effective. I, I don't know what has happened with our pressing game uh, since Arteta has, took over, has taken over, I should say. When he first came in, I, I thought our pressing was really good. Everyone worked as a unit. Moved off the pitch together and everything else. But as time progressed, everything just seemed more lackadaisical. And it was more of like half-hearted pressing. Belligan just trying to press wherever he can. It's like a striker's press. It wasn't really energetic. But hey, let's not fault the guy. He's still a young striker and it's his Premier League debut. And And to be honest, for a young striker in this situation, I thought his debut was actually alright, to be fair to him. So coming out from this game, a lot of people were talking about Ivan Toney, uh, the Brentford striker, and how he bullied the Arsenal defence and everything like that. Personally, I wouldn't say he bullied the defence. He held it up really well and he played it in for his striking partner re- really well. Multiple, well not multiple times, I think, I think maybe two or three times. But the way a lot of people were coming out from the game and saying, yeah, he bullied the defense, I I thought he was like winning every single ball. But to be honest, that wasn't really the case. But he is a really good player. And we just, we didn't deal with him as well as I think we should have. And I think we could have done better against him if we had Gabriel on the field. Now, coming into the match, I did say that Ben White, you know, he has some question marks about his aerial presence. And... Hey, lo and behold, today he was really targeted and he was exposed for his aerial ability. You know, he did show his his presence on the ball, bringing the ball out from the back, his passing range and all of that. But as a defender, if you can't defend in the air, you can't go that far. So either his defensive partner has to cover up for his, his shortcomings or, you know, we're going to have a bad defensive season. And we had a pretty good one last season. I mean, we had the third best defense, believe it or not. So yeah, I think we will talk a little bit more about him specifically later on. But another thing I wanted to bring up at the start of this match was how the Brentford manager, Thomas Frank, I believe that's his name, got the crowd really on his side, on his team side. And he really controlled that crowd and he created such an atmosphere. It was, as, as a neutral, I think it was really nice to watch. And... And I wish something like that was possible at the Emirates to make it more of like a cauldron in there. And just to see the manager interacting with the fans in that sense, you know, the connection with that club is just amazing. You know, it's, it's, again, it's just another one of those clubs which are really just run well from the top to the bottom. You know, it's like Leicester when they won the FA Cup. You could see the club was just managed from the top to the bottom, in the best way possible. So now, coming back to the game. The first goal came in the 22nd minute. It came from a weak clearance from Callum Chambers from the touchline. Uh, I'll, well, can I really defend him? I don't think so. It's his weaker foot, but then again, he knocks it straight into midfield. The ball comes back straight to his position and he's running back. You know, Sergei Kanos, I think he was a problem for Callum Chambers last night cuts on the inside and takes a a right-footed shot straight to Bernd Leno's near post. And yeah, this goal was so unavoidable. When you slow things down, it's so unavoidable. I know some people will say, oh, the ball, you know, went out before, you know, it scored, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. I think the main thing here is our defending was atrocious. We'll start with Chambers, clearing it with his weaker foot, Straight into midfield, I think that's a cardinal sin. He should have at least put it into touch or get more distance on his clearance. That's number one. Number two, again, whoever is trying to help him defend, I think it's Pepe on the right-hand side, didn't do him any favours against Sergei Kanos and he was just ripped apart in the box because he couldn't get close enough to Kanos. And Kanos, to his credit, from his left, cuts to his right and... Puts in a a decent shot on goal. And this is where I have a problem. Bernd Leno, in my opinion, should be doing more to save that shot. At least touch the ball. I I think the bare minimum in that situation is to at least touch the ball. But he didn't even do that. And what makes it even more glaring is that Pepe had a somewhat similar shot in the second half. And David Raya made the exact same stop. You know, and he's the, he was the keeper that we were trying to chase last season. So Bert Leno again, very disappointing. Um, whether you know his performances are affected because he doesn't want to be there or because he's not being challenged by any of the other goalkeepers, I don't know. But somebody needs to set his head straight. Because that when he first signed, he's saving that shot. I'll put it that way. On on the instance whether or not the ball fully went out of the pitch. My opinion is that I think it's the right decision to let play go on and I think the attacker should have the advantage in that situation. So, I don't have any problems with it. I, more of my gripe would be with the way Arsenal defend, but the way Arsenal defend have never pleased anyone, for, or myself, in a very long time. <laughs> now, I didn't mention Tony, uh, Brentford's attacker, he was pretty good, I'd say, and everyone was, you know, bigging him up and saying, yeah, he bullied, defen- bullied the defense. But but I think Brentford's more dangerous attacker was actually Embrino, their number 19. I thought he was really pacey. He gave our defenders a lot more problems than Tony throughout the night. So credit where credit is due. He, he had a really good game, I'd say. And, and speaking about him having a good game, the way Arsenal were, or well, Arsenal's defence, was split open by a ball over the top. I mean, noth- really nothing has changed from last season. I mean, we've been seeing that since last season, a simple ball over the top. Tony controls the ball, a long ball to him, plays the ball over his shoulder, and, and, and Bueno has miles of space to run into and straight on to goal. Things just have not changed defensively for Arsenal in that sense. And, that's pretty concerning. You know, because against better quality opposition, and yes, we will be facing better quality opposition in the next couple of weeks. You know, we have Chelsea. Werner's there. Uh, Kai Havertz will be there. Lukaku will be there. The list goes on. You know, Christian Pulisic as well. And then we face Man City, the amount of attacking talent that they have. They'll rip this defence to shreds. It's... Oh. I'm... And, you know, just saying all of this, I'm getting quite concerned, you know, because first three games of the season, I think Arsenal are going to finish with zero points. Anyway, Arsenal's first big chance came to Balogun. You know, he had, overall he had a quiet game, but you could see he has a lot of talent, you know. In his first big chance, excellent first touch in the box, sets himself up, but his it's just his second touch in the box just pushes the ball a little bit too far away from him and he's, he's stretching to get connection and, he's, he, and he just gets crowded out. In no- normal circumstances, you wouldn't really even talk about this highlight, but I think that's how dire our attacking presence was on the night itself. Um, oh, before I move on, in the 36th minute, Shaka gets easily dispossessed right outside our box when we we're trying to play out from the back you know this is where Brentford's press was so much more effective than us you know obviously it didn't lead to the goal or a second goal their second goal but everyone just switched off it was like no one was telling Shaka hey you're being closed down man on be a bit more aware you know speed up the passing play it safe or knock it long he could he was completely blindsided by the press and was was so lucky that it came to nothing at the end of it. But the the point I was gonna make before this was: Granite Shaka ended up captaining us for this match, and I think yeah, that is, it's definitely a talking point now. I don't have any problems with Granite Shaka, capting captaining us on the field, but I can understand where a lot of people are coming from because just a couple of weeks ago, this man was basically out the door he was about to leave for Rome and next thing you know he comes straight back into the first team and he gets thrown the captain's armband that I think the visuals of this they don't look good personally I'll never question Granite Xhaka's professionalism because I think he's a model pro but I think the visuals of it they just they make for jokes you know for, and it's the way the club runs what can we say so closing out the first half, I just wanna say we apparently we had seven shots on we had seven shots in the first half. I barely remember five of them well, I barely remember two of them, and we only had one on target, which was mainly Belligan taking pot shots whenever he had the chance in the box. Really not good enough. But the other thing I wanted to bring up from this was that when Brentford were on the attack, they looked so much more inspiring compared to us. We, as a team, really looked like we were in the same form as at the end of the season where, you know, we were resigned to our position. We were out of Europe, uh, this, and the other, demotivated. Boys, it's the first game of the season. We're supposed to be up for it. The fans are back in the stadium. It just didn't look like it at all, and our attacks were so uninspiring. It was so confusing. So confusing. Oh, But anyway, second half. Again, I think we started off the second half much, well, not much better. I think our first like ten minutes of the second half were as good as our first ten minutes of the first half. You know, only a couple of players showed up. You know, Emil Smith Rowe again. He's he's the only one trying to make things happen in this team. When you know, I'm talking about the starting lineup because Saka is another player who's trying to make things happen for this team. I, I will. I have to have a special mention for Emile Smith-Rowe in the 50th minute. He receives his pass around the centre circle, does this excellent turn to get rid of the the Brentford player on his back, runs the rest of the pitch and has a shot on goal and forces a brilliant save from David Wright. I just want to say that whole sequence of events was so silky smooth. It deserved a goal at the end of it. And if you have time, you should really re-watch that because highlights. If we're looking for highlights in this match, I think that's one of them. So now, unlike last season, I think the changes came a little bit earlier than last season. I do have problems with the changes still. But hey, Arteta's recognizing that things needed to be changed earlier. So in the 58th minute, Balogun came off for Bukayo Saka. That basically meant Pepe played through the middle. I thought from this we would see more long balls for Pepe to chase, you know, running diagonally and we'll see Saka Saka and Smith-Rowe running into the box to receive following that, but we never really saw any of this. Now speaking about Pepe, I think... In this game specifically, Pepe Pepe defensively was pretty poor. He really didn't help out Callum Chambers defensively. And the same can be said about Callum Chambers in, in attack. Chambers didn't help Pepe at all on that right wing in the first half and the second half. You know, Pepe every time he got the ball on the right wing, he'd be facing two Brentford players and he's trying to take both of them on. You know, in normal circumstances, maybe he gets away with it once or twice, but we kept on seeing like six, seven times. Chambers, if he's playing there, he really needs to get up and support. And conversely, when Chambers is defending, Pepe really needs to help him out because th- this right wing of Arsenal, this whole right flank, I should say, it's so problematic and it's a symptom of all our problems over the, well, previous season, previous 12 months. Whenever Brentford had the ball and they were going forward, they did look like the team that would be more likely to score. Well, yeah. Uh, the next big chance came in the seventieth minute. Um, Shaka at the far post. His volley. Well, he skied the volley at the end of it. I can't remember who crossed it from the right hand side, but the cross basically evaded everyone, and it just fell to Granite Shaka at the back post, arriving in late, and he just mistimed it. I think he went for power rather than precision. And hey, chance goes begging. So right after that, uh, Gabriel Martinelli comes off. Reece Nelson, of all people, comes in. I think at this point he played right wing and Saka played on the left predominantly. But they they still interchanged throughout the match. Um, I think Reece Nelson, when he came on, he tried. He tried, but on that right wing, he still had the same problems that Pepe had. Chambers really wasn't supporting him in attack. Whether this comes down to instructions by the manager, I have no idea. Because we've seen Chambers on that right flank attacking pretty well last season as well. I mean, you think back to the West Ham game, right? We know we can do it, but in this game, he, he felt so conservative. So anyway, in the 72nd minute, right after our substitution, you guessed it, we conceded from a set piece. Now, if Arsenal came into this match thinking that you know set pieces wouldn't be their downfall, there's seriously something wrong, you know Brentford are known for set pieces and we have been awful at set pieces since you know pre preseason but the visuals of this disaster was appalling just as bad as the other calamities defensive calamities in this match now it was not defended well by everyone uh, first of all Pablo Marie I think he was the one that challenged the first ball completely missed times His jump, so the ball rolls or bounces straight past the 6-yard line. Ben White, he was in somewhat of a position to deal with it, didn't deal with it, and gets all the way to the back post where Kieran Tierney is only marking the area. Against Norgard, who is their central midfielder, he looks tall as anything, but hey, running start, Kieran Tierney had no chance at all defending that. I feel a little bit bad because, you know, Zono marking against um, against that instance is awful to be against. But hey, all of them can't put the blame anywhere else. They should have dealt with the first ball. They should have dealt with the second ball. And Karen he shouldn't be in that position to make that, well, to be in that position at the end of the day. Now, a special mention, and it's not going to be a good one, but for Brent Leno again, in the build-up to this goal, yes, he was being held off by another Brentford player, but come on, you're the goalkeeper. You really need to be commanding your box, you know, asserting some dominance. Push him away. He didn't look like he put any effort into getting that Brentford player away from him, and he just watched the ball from one side of his goal to the other side and into the back of the net. And that, for me, as a goalkeeper, is awful. He should be dropped. If there was any other capable goalkeeper at this club, he would have been dropped. Substituted out, in fact. Because that, that was just disgusting. All in all, this game, I think our most dangerous player was Kieran Tierney. Surprise, surprise. I think he was our best attacker. Not in terms of crossing by the way, but as in terms of taking shots. I think he had the most shots in his team, besides Belligan and, and that's another thing. I think Kieran Tierney's crossing is meant for a tall target man in the box. None of our strikers do that. Lacazette, you know, he's all right with hitting the ball, but he's, he doesn't have the height and the presence. Aubameyang's never going to score a headed goal. I mean, he scored a couple, one or two, but not that many. Eddie Nketiah, no chance. And Balogun, he tries his best, but he's not that type of player. So whatever the instruction is to get the ball into the box, these types of crosses are just so ineffective. By Tierney, by Chambers, whoever it is, you know, and it needs to change. And in the 80th minute, Brentford had a corner and I legitimately had my heart in my mouth, I thought we were going to concede a third goal to Brentford, because the corner came in, it was, you know, Lena wasn't under pressure at all, he came flapping for the ball, I'm not sure what was really going on, and the whole defence was just static. they could not believe what they were seeing, just like the fans. And I, I think it was quite clear, from that point onwards, everyone's head dropped, on that pitch, in terms of Arsenal players, everyone's head dropped. Even Emil Smith Rowe, you know, he's one of the most positive players with Bukaya Saka. I think their heads dropped as well when they, at this point of the game, you know, what what more can they do for this team? So Arteta wasn't done with substitutions yet at this point, and in the 81st minute, he took Callum Chambers off for Nuno Tavares. Yes, you heard that right. We have a new right back in this team. I don't know what Ainsley Maitland-Niles has said, that he, he completely can't get a look in in this team at any position, not even at right back. Hector Bellerin, who was also on the bench, did not start. But our backup left back is coming in at right back. What is going on? Like, I'm pretty sure we didn't buy Tavares for, you know, a cover for Callum Chambers. I don't think that was the case. I, I honestly do not know what is going on with Arteta. Are, are the players acting up behind the scenes? That's why he's doing this? That's why he's forced to do this? Is that the case? You know, I... Pff, hard to say, you know. it I... Bet- In particular, think it's quite suspicious That Aubameyang and Lacazette Who were also ruled out for The game against Chelsea In more than a week's time Out with illness Just illness, no other explanation to it I think that's quite suspicious Because What illness lasts that long? And if they had COVID I think that the club would come out And say, oh, you know, that's part of COVID And I think it's a sensible thing To say COVID and to, to announce it I mean, because it's you don't want to harm the other players at the same time, right? Limit the contact and this and the other. But that's a bit weird. That both of them are out with illness, both of them are really close friends. You know, I maybe there's something going on behind the scenes with the players, and that's why Arteta's forced to do this. Well, who knows? Who knows? To be honest, our fans don't know, the manager doesn't seem to know, the club doesn't know. (sighs) Anyway, it was really sad to see the first game of the season, with seven minutes to go, fans were leaving the stadium. I'm not talking about Brentford fans, by the way, I'm talking about Arsenal fans. For the first time in like two years, fans are back in the stadium and you're leaving before the game even ends. That says a lot about the state of the team right now, and uh, what what more can he say? Uh, but of course, in typical Arsenal fashion, we did create one good chance in this match and it fell to Pepe, I did briefly talk about it before. Kieran Tierney again got released down the left flank, cut it back, we've seen this a couple times. I believe you know, it should have been a goal, Pepe struck it low and hard to the near post and David Wright, to his credit, did fantastically to get down low and to save the shot. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's about it, really. Honestly, that's about it. I mean, that there was a penalty shout at the end of it. Saka got challenged in the box, but again, I wouldn't want to see that be given as a penalty. Even as an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't want to see that as a penalty. I think he went down a little bit soft. But, yeah. That that was pretty much the game. Now, a, a couple big questions, I think. Well, I mean, there are a few huge elephants in the room at this point, you know. Are the Arsenal players in a very happy camp? I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. You, you talk about Bumyang and Lacazette going out with illness. Hector Bellerin didn't even get a look in to get substituted on for like 10 minutes. He, he can't even do that. I don't want to dive into conspiracy theories, but I think that's one of the big elephants in the room. And the other one is, what's our style of play? You know, I, I shared a, a video in the last podcast uh, called The Overlap, where Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville and Roy Keane were talking to a bunch of fans before the season started. And Gary Neville gave this question to the Arsenal fan on the, on the day itself. What is Arsenal's style of play? And I think this game actually encapsulates our style of play. Mind you, on the day itself, the Arsenal fan couldn't the Arsenal fans couldn't answer the question. But if you look at this game against Brentford, I think your answer's there. It's confusion. That's our style of play. We don't know what we want at all. Do we want to play out from the back? Well, we're not really good enough to play out from the back, so we'll play long ball, but we don't have anyone to win the, the the first ball out of a goal kick. And then we're back in limbo. Are we this, are we that? Are we a possession-based team, or do we want to play on a counter-attack? When we play possession, we're so pedestrian. And that's another thing. We didn't seem energetic at all in this game. It's It's just confusion. From the top to the bottom. And then we talk about transfer signings. Yeah, maybe it's... The transfer signings are having a bit more direction in In terms of what we want to do. You know, we're signing younger players now. Tavares, uh, Ben White's come in. Uh, Laconga, young players, under 23. Great. Fantastic. But before this, I mean, what, what were we doing? Signing Lichsteiner. I mean, bringing an experience. And... Bringing in Willian, for example, a 30-plus player from Chelsea who ran his contract down. that That is just confusion. And we're lacing that in with signings like Gabriel Martinelli. Gabriel at the back, who's a young player as well. This whole approach of a little bit of experience and a little bit of youth does not work. And it's just confusion from the top to the bottom. And I think that's just our style of play. The whole club's just confused. I think that's my conclusion to it. And mind you, the point I wanted to make from this style of play actually goes all the way back to Arsene Wenger's last year. Now, I'm not saying this is his fault, but in Arsene Wenger's last year, we failed to make Europe. And there was a lot of short-termism signings. And I think this has led to the confusion. So, in my opinion, I think Abamiang and Lacazette are part of this confusing style of play. Because what type of player is Lacazette and what type of player is Abamiang? They're two completely different strikers with a transfer window apart from their signings. Arsenal do not have a clear plan. Yes, Abamiang has worked out since he joined. You know, he went on a blistering goal. Uh, scoring form, scored tons of goals, brought us to where, close to where we need to be. But if you just separate that for a second and just look at the player profiles that we've brought in, it's just confusing. What kind of style of play do we want to have? Are we going to be playing long balls? Are we going to continue with a focal point up front? Abamiang's not gonna he's not going to be and he's never going to be a focal point in our attack. It's just not his style of play. Like I said, he can somewhat do that, but he gets he tends to get sucked into midfield and then we have no one up front. So it's just confusion from the recruitment to our style of play and what we want to do and the club itself yeah just it's honestly terrible and. Not to feed the conspiracy theories or anything, but, but Arteta did do this interview with Sky Sports, I believe, just before the season started. And he was asked, basically by the fans, who's Arsenal's best finisher in the squad? And he's naming Inyaki Kenya, our goalkeeping coach. How is our goalkeeping coach the best finisher in the team? That's just ridiculous. Whether he's you know, saying it for laughs which I don't think he is, because if you look at his press conferences, he doesn't seem like the type of man who jokes around. He seems a lot uh, more political than anything else. I think he's dead serious with that answer as well. And that says a lot about the strikers at the club. How can your goalkeeping coach be the best finisher in the team? That's just insane. Yeah, but anyway, that's my little rant done, and the analysis breakdown of Arsenal's 2-0 defeat to Brentford. I tried to give myself a bit of breathing room since, I mean, since the game to, you know, let let things boil over, but you know, just reliving reliving all of this just brings up bad memories. But anyway, let's move on to the next section of the podcast. Right, so, so the first thing we're going to talk about in other Arsenal news is Joe Willock. He has completed his transfer to Newcastle for an estimated 25 million pounds. Now, With Joe Willock, I think this is the Willock that got away for Arsenal. You know, Chris Willock, his brother was also at the club. We let him go off to Benfica. But I think Joe Willock was the most talented of all of his brothers, essentially. And he really should have stayed at the club. I think for the transfer fee is a little bit low. I would have liked to have gotten a bit more from the transfer. But then again, we're talking about Newcastle and... Newcastle don't have any finances at all. I mean, if we talk about Stan Kroenke being a bad owner, you know, Newcastle's owners are even worse. You know, he doesn't put any money into the club. So to get 25 million from an estimated 25 million from Newcastle, I think uh, that's a job well done. Um, I would have liked to have seen maybe a buyback clause inserted in in this deal because Joe Willick's the real the real deal essentially. You know, he's he's a good player. He scores goals from midfield. I think he's he's gonna be he's gonna transform Newcastle and he's definitely gonna score against Arsenal when the, when Newcastle play Arsenal later on in the season. I think he's gonna he's gonna do really well. And in my opinion he's gonna be like Emmy Martinez for Aston Villa. Didn't want to let him go but we had to let him go. And he's performed exceptionally well when he's given the chance. He wasn't given the chance at Arsenal for whatever reason. We'll see in time if it's the right decision to let him go. But I think he's also victim to the lack of interest in the rest of the team. You know, we, we need to cut players down. And if Joe Willick's the only one who's drawing any interest, I guess we have to make the change. We have to accept the bid. You know? and it's really unfortunate. Really unfortunate. But Joe Willock, all the best to you at Newcastle Um, Try not to score against Arsenal yeah. But um, I'm sure you'll have a great career ahead Now, I did talk about a couple of really weird news uh, In the intro of this podcast Like Edu on a yacht As a technical director Posting yourself on a yacht Before a new season Not great, just not great It's not the right time to do that Partying up with, with, you know, his friends and things like that. I'm not saying that he can't party, but I don't think he should be posting about it. Especially seeing how underwhelming this team is. You know, you're the sporting director, whatever your title is. Shouldn't you be, like, focusing on getting players in for Arsenal? Obviously, everyone's entitled to putting a feet up every now and then. But, again, optics of it, not great. That's our sporting director. Whatever you want to call him, director of football, transfer guru, whatever it is, partying on a yacht. Now, why I bring this point up is that even though it happened a little while back, but it's resurfacing now, is that he's in charge of transfers and we haven't you know, dealt with transfers effectively this season. Well, this transfer window. You know, there's a bunch of players that need to be moved on. They haven't been moved on. There's a bunch of players that need to come in, and they haven't come in yet. And I understand, you know, it it depends on whether they're interested. But my point is, Arsenal Football Club, as a club, right, are not bad at transfers. It's just the men's team that are bad with sorting out the transfers. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is the Arsenal women's team, mind you, have had a pretty big summer as well. They had four players go out, four pretty big players, but they've brought four decent players in within a month's span. I mean, the Arsenal women's first signing was, was on the 26th of May, and it was Mara Iwabuchi. And the last signing was on the 27th of July, Friedel Manum. You know, and, and they've basically replaced all the players that they've let go. With all these new players, before the the before preseason ends, they've got their business done. So Arsenal as a football club, whoever's running the women's team is doing a fantastic job, and the people who are running the men's team are doing an awful job. Because and if you just compare the two teams, one's really incompetent. Because how can you drag on for this, drag transfers on for this long? The season has started and we haven't gotten the players that we need. We. Uh, and I'm not talking about, oh, we need a transformative midfielder to partner Thomas Partick. No, I'm talking about getting a replacement goalkeeper for Burt Leno. Not even a player to start in the first team. I'm talking about a replacement goalkeeper in case anything happens to Bernd Leno. How can you not sort that out before the season starts? That is a damning record of the people running the Arsenal transfers, I don't care if you can't get, just how, how can there be no goalkeeper out there who is experienced and is able to challenge Leno, and it's not going to be another Runison who comes in for a small transfer fee and, and is, you know, incapable. That, you can't tell me that there's no goalkeeper that's better than Runison out there, that we could have gotten, I will not take that excuse, so, so far Edu and Arteta in his transfers, this transfer window, terrible honestly terrible and they have no one else to blame you know and they have no one else to blame so good for them now the second thing to point out is Lucas Torreira I thought with Partey being ruled out for a couple weeks that we might actually see Lucas Torreira in an Arsenal shirt again you know I I thought we might see him again because of the lack of options in midfield But it just so happens, on the day of our first game of the season, he's at a theme park with his family or something, or some other people, I think it's his family, but he's at a theme park. Excuse me, you're an Arsenal player, yeah? What's going on there? The season just started, you should be in London, at least in London. Like, in the, you know, yeah, you should be in London. Whether it's on a training pitch or in the gym, whatever it is, supporting the team. I'm not even asking you to be in the stadium or anything. You should be in the same country. He's not in the same country. He's in a theme park. Posting about it on, on the first day, we'll be loose 2-0. Completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable. And for Arteta, with all of his oh, non-negotiables, blah, 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 that is awful. That is poor management right there. How can you let a player that's cost you twenty plus million pounds for him to dictate his career this way to the club? How can you let a player do that? He's contracted to Arsenal, he should be at least the bare minimum in the same country. So the way Arsenal have handled this situation is awful. The way Torreira has handled this situation is also awful. You can't be doing that. Where's where's the the, the, the sense, the common sense Where is it? And it, it genuinely looks like he's burnt bridges with Arsenal at this point You know, he's posting posting his, his workout routine in a gym Tagged in Madrid yeah? Have we sold him to Atletico Madrid? No, we have not We loaned him there He should be back in London Terrible Terrible Get me worked up just thinking about it oh and the last bit of news is a strange one but it's the president of Rwanda ranting about the Arsenal style of play on Twitter I never thought I would have to cover something like this but if it takes the president of Rwanda and and remind you visit Rwanda is all plastered all on our shirt sleeves yeah the kits For him to come out to say you know Arsenal are terrible takes a lot you know it takes a lot and it takes a lot and I think it really says something because he's one of well not him but the country is one of the most prominent sponsors besides the Emirates right Emirates I mean now his last Twitter post here is we must not excuse or accept mediocrity i think that just encapsulates everything this team is just mediocre and now this really bodes well because if one of arsenal's sponsors is speaking out in this way i think that's going to put pressure on the people running the club to run it better either that or to get rid of the manager to change the style of play to do something to have change because we've seen the same thing for more than 12 months now and it, it just does not work so I think this might be a step in the right direction by having the president of Rwanda, Paul Kagame, I think that's how you say his last name, his family name, coming out and talking about it. I re- and as an Arsenal fan, I appreciate it. It's unconventional, but I appreciate him doing it. Hopefully it leads to some change. So yeah, that, that's a quick roundup of the Arsenal news for this episode. It's all over the place, it gets me a little bit angry, but at the end of it, I might have some hope. So without further ado, let's, let's head on to the player ratings. Now the moment that we've all been waiting for, the Arsenal player ratings for Arsenal versus Brentford. Right, so Leno in goal, a 3. I honestly want to give him a 2, but you know, uh, 2, 3, doesn't really matter week, it was an awful performance by Leno this, this week, and I don't think he's going to improve for Chelsea, because, well, he has no reason to improve, because no matter what he does, he's not going to get dropped, you're not going to put Aubameyang in goal, you're not going to play an in goal, Carl Heen, a Quanco. you're not going to put them in the Premier League, why is he going to be concerned? So yeah, you know what, from a three, He's gonna be a two. I'm gonna put him as a two. It's awful performance. Chambers, two as well. Not a good game by him. Uh, not a good game. Well, I think it's also down to the tactics. He got he was done far too easily for the first goal, and you know I had flashbacks to Swansea, if I'm being completely honest. And why we haven't been seeing more of this is because he had protection. The right winger was protecting him in a defensive phase, and Pepe wasn't doing that. He, Chambers might have a bad defensive game, but we're used to seeing him have a decent attacking game as well. But this, in this game, he did neither of them well. Yeah, just did neither of them well. So two. Ben White, two as well. Uh, not good for the first goal. You know not good for the first goal because he was right there shoulder-to-shoulder basically with Callum Chambers when he crossed it um, when he tried to clear it and For the second goal as well. He should be doing better definitely Yeah two Premier League debut. He's supposed to be used to the league and all of this 50 million for Ben White, you know, he better be having some performances after this because if he's worth 50 million And he's put in a performance like that. He's supposedly Premier League proven. Well, Rob Holding, when we got him from Bolton. My God, he must be like a £150 million signing then. The way he's performed for us, you know. So, a a debut to forget for Ben White. 100%. You know, and he really needs to improve. This whole team really needs to, to improve, to be honest. Pablo Marie... I don't think Marie and Ben White are the ideal partners. I don't think so. Um, I think marie he's a good squad player, but he should not be starting for Arsenal. I think he can do the odd game here and there, but he should not be the first-team centre-back. He's not good enough, you know, to be a first-team centre-back, it was plain and simple. Some people have their limitations. So, three, you know, he didn't do well for the second goal, but everyone else didn't do as well for the second goal. He had less errors, I guess. Kevin Tierney, I'll put him as a 5, because I think that was pretty much a standard game from him. Yeah, pretty much a standard game. That's what we expect. Him getting down the left flank, putting in crosses, having a couple shots here and there, and just driving the team. For Lakonga, I'm going to give him a 5. He wasn't transformative in the midfield, but for his debut, Premier League debut, I think he did alright. He had a couple moments, good passing moments here and there throughout the game. But for the most part, nothing too concerning. So I'll be a bit nice on him this game. So I'll give him five first game debut. So it'll be a bit nice, five. Granite Shaka three. Why I'm giving him a three is because I've seen how Granite Shaka can play at the Euros and Shaka for Switzerland is a completely different than Shaka for Arsenal at this point. It's completely different. It's like Paul Pogba at at United, even though Pogba had a really good first game against Leeds right Shaka. I think he went back to his old self uh, not making stupid fouls and and that but he was slow on the ball he didn't put in the pass that we've seen at the Euros that he's capable of doing when he's running with the ball he didn't do any of that we didn't see much switching of the play he got caught on the ball not a good game by him but not a good game by everyone else too so next up is Nicolas Pepe I'll give him I think I'll give him a, a 3 overall. He had that one good chance in the second half, late in the second half. He tried to do some things on the right, but he just kept getting crowded out at the end of it. It's just really frustrating. Smith-Rowe, 5 because it's standard. You expect that from Smith-Rowe. You, know, you can't really give him more than that because of the quality of the rest of the team. I think he was definitely the shining light for Arsenal in this game. He tried to make things happen when he was when he carried the ball. I think he was pretty good. He looked dangerous. Well, the same can't be said with Martinelli. I think, well, he had one good chance, one hitter in the second half. I remember when he was playing a centre-forward from a corner. But other than that, I think Martinelli was fairly anonymous in this game. He couldn't really get into it. His pressing wasn't as sharp as we we've um, known it to be but then again you have to caveat all of this with he's just come back from Tokyo so oh, I think we have to give him some leeway over here so I'll just say a 4 Balogun leading the line I think for his Premier League debut not bad I think there was a little bit of nerves in his performance uh, but all in all in the situation I think he performed well I mean we expected him to score right but I think leading line by himself with not much support not a lot of service I think he did as best as he could so four. Saka when he came on so a substitute the first substitute I think a six I uh, I think I'll give him a six slightly more than what I would usually give because the dynamic of the attack just changed once Saka got on. You see, you could see that we had another natural ball carrier to carry the ball out of defence, well, out of like midfield into the attacking third, and he provided more options for Kieran Tierney down the left. We got a bit more joy, but just not, just not enough, really. Nelson, I'll give him a five. He didn't really get into the game. He had a couple touches here and there, so stand at five for a substitute and Tavares five as well he's on late sub I'm, I'm actually tempted to give him a six because you know a left back playing at right back for his premier league debut as well coming on I know it's only a couple minutes well, I thought he, he did well you know I, I didn't mention this before but when he came on I thought he looked energetic he looked up for it and he looked like he actually cared so you know what I'll give him a six for that because he looked like he actually cared now that's how far we've dropped, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, that or those are my player ratings for Arsenal versus Brentford for the first game of the season. And well, just like last season, I will be recording all of these player ratings down and at the end of the season. We will come back and see how well overall they've done. Right, so that's going to be it for this episode of the Kunis of Malaysia podcast. I hope you enjoyed the analysis of the match, even though it might have brought back some bad memories, especially for myself. We recapped some news as well, which was, I think, once in a blue moon kind of news coming out from Arsenal. But hey, it's Arsenal. We should expect more fireworks coming up in the next few days. Who knows what might happen? So until that happens, don't forget to share this podcast with your Guna friends and you can find this podcast on all the major podcasting apps, the Google Play Store, the Apple Podcasting app, Spotify, you name it, this podcast is probably going to be there. So that being said, thank you for listening and making it this far. It's going to be a very long season ahead and I'm going to be there for every step of the way. Take care, stay safe, hope your Tetaric's finished.